Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Special guest today is Jeff Duden. Jeff is the chairman and CEO of Homefront Brands, a platform of property service franchisors. They exist to, to inspire entrepreneurs to take action and positively impact communities, franchisees, employees, and families. The success of their franchisees strengthens the foundation of the economy, provides stability in the lives of their franchise operators, and expands the reach and relevance of the franchise industry sector. Homefront brands aspire to always do right by the franchisee and their customers. Jeff is also a published author with his latest book, Discernment, which is, we're going to get a chance to talk about a little bit later in the podcast. He's also a Forbes contributor, speaker, and consultant to emerging brands, as well as serving on YPO, Young President's Organization, as a chapter chair. He's on the board of Novin Health and also serves on the International Franchise Franchise Forum. Just journey as an entrepreneur began as a college athlete found, who founded a business to paint student housing. After graduation, he assisted South Florida in recovering from Hurricane Andrew, which led to the launch of Advantage Clean in 1994. In January of 2019, Advantage Clean was acquired by Home Franchise Concepts. Jeff is also the founder of the Duden Group, which is a capital partner to Homefront Brands and others. They invest capital, provide expertise, and offer services that enable people to join, buy, build, expand franchise systems. They operate select franchise brands and offer an array of complementary services and, that create franchise startups, outsource franchise sales, and implement growth strategies that drive explosive growth. He lives in Huntsville, North Carolina with his family. And with that said, welcome, Jeff. Ah, Rich, that was, uh, did you write that? That was an amazing yeah. intro. Yeah, you're a pretty impressive guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you today. Yeah, well, thanks for taking time. And I know we're both in the same industry, which is unusual for my podcast, uh, but I really enjoy getting folks from the franchise industry. But most importantly, you, you are really a, you know, a, change maker in the industry. You're making a difference. You're making an impact in your brands and also what you do with your franchise ease and how you do impact the uh, economy. And I know you're working with your family. But let's, let's go back a little bit. You know, uh, let's go back in some years. We're curious about when you became an entrepreneur, why you decided to become one. Was it voluntarily or involuntary? And uh, what was some of the decision-making process that caused you to really, to, you know, the tip, go to the tipping point and go all in? Well, I will tell you uh, that uh, most entrepreneurs are forced into existence by circumstances. And uh, we have, uh, um, I'm no exception to that. Uh, so I grew up in Chicago. I was a Chicago guy, as I know you are. And uh, I um, uh, was an athlete in, in high school. And uh, I, I came to football late. So I decided I want to chase that football around. So I I went up to the University of Northern Iowa for a year, and, and uh, that wasn't a good fit for me. I dropped back to a ju junior college football factory in Chicago there in Palatine, Illinois, called Harper. And then I got a scholarship out to Appalachian State, who 
uh, has really developed a great program out there. But when I was out there, I, you know, I, it was, uh, you know, it was really kind of out there on my last dollar. It was, uh, my mom gave me her 1972 Buick LeSabre. It was a one-way trip. I parked uh, the car in student housing and never went back to get it. It's probably still there. <laughs> Uh, you know, I took my uh, garbage bag of five T-shirts and, and uh, you know, went there. And uh, so but I, 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 did, I learned to love it there very quickly and also met my wife uh, very early. Uh, she took the project on. We we both have uh, a lot in common. Uh, you know, we were both constantly working on me. And, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, so she she took the project on. She's still working on it. But. Uh, I decided I wanted to stay. So I got with my roommate and I had worked the trades growing up in Chicago. So I got with my, my roommate and I said, hey, let's start a painting business. It's something that I had done in, in Chicago. And I, I knew basically fundamentally how the business worked and, and how to do a good paint job. So that's what we did. And we ended up winning all the student housing uh, uh, lease change apartment contracts with the property managers. So we would solicit the athletes that were there over the summer and we'd use the basketball players to cut in the ceilings because they didn't need a ladder. And the wrestlers would cut in the baseboards and then the football players, we, we went to the, the shop and built a huge five gallon, you know, 18 inch roller thing where they could roll, roll apartments out. And we would do 15 or 20 apartments in a day. And, and it was a great business. And we were doing payroll with a on a piece of paper where I had uh, doing the math with a, with a calculator and, and just, you know, making lines with the ruler and making my own spreadsheet because <laughs> we didn't have those tools back in 1989 and 1990. So uh, from there, somebody that painted with us uh, hooked up with a restoration business. And in 1992, Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida and it was devastating. And he called and said, we're looking for people and our painting season was over. And so we, we got on our little four-cylinder truck with a wooden ladder, ladder rack that we had built. And we, we drove down to South Florida and we, we signed a couple of jobs to do cleanup on people's homes. And then we threw in with the company. And that's really where I cut my teeth in the insurance restoration business. Uh, two years later, I started the business in 1994 that would turn into a business called AdvantiClean 24 years and 11 months later. And I, I moved back up to the Carolinas to get married and raise a family in 95 and start our second location. So uh, that's kind of how I got into, that's my entrepreneurial story. And you know, I needed money. Uh, I needed to, to stay there. And so I said, well, I, you know, and uh, food service was available and it was a small college town up in the top of a mountain in Boone, North Carolina. And I really needed enough money to, to uh, be able to make a stand for myself and survive over the you know, non-scholarship uh, months. So, so that's mm -hmm. how I got into business. I love it. Bootstrapped it. Wood, wooden rat ladder rack. I got, I got it. I, I see it. I, I got the picture. Uh, in a in a tape measure, pencil, and paper. You're good to go. That's right. Paintbrush <laughs> and a ladder. Cheapest <laughs> business you can get into. All right. So you've been in business for a while for yourself. So I don't know. You probably have some uh, decisions you made that maybe you think maybe you would do over again. Can you think of anything that you would say now that you know what you know? You would do something different. I, I would. I and uh, you know it from 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 that point when we started at Vanaclean, it took me. Uh, we 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 became a fifteen or twenty million dollar a year business, and, or 10, 10 to twenty million dollar a year business, and uh, which we grew. Uh, government contracting. Uh, we we had offices in Florida and the Carol and both of the Carolinas. And uh, 
I bought my last partner out in 2004, and then in 2005 um, uh, was the first time that I ever really went out and I and I hired some consultants uh, to teach me. And it's the first time I ever heard purpose, vision, mission, values, and you know, write a painted picture about what you want your business to be, and and learned how to make decisions uh, against a, a set of uh, strategy items and things like that. And uh, and uh, from there. And then I'll get to I'll get to the the answer is in here to your question. From there, uh, we we responded to Hurricane Preparation Met opportunity. We en ended up uh, building a complete fleet of semi trucks and campers and things to respond to disasters. Hurricane Katrina hit, so we went down there and made a extended four year run, uh, helping the people of the Gulf Coast recover and VA hospitals and high rises and things like that as well. And coming back. Uh, um, I, uh, I'll never forget, I was um, uh, driving home in, in a camper because I was missing my son's first football season. And it was in the middle of the night and it was in Atlanta and I was trying to get back to, to North Carolina so that I could be there for an eight o'clock game. And, and I remembered, I was like, you know, our business is growing so much, but, but I'm working in the Caribbean and Canada and Hawaii and every disaster and I'll never be home. Uh, with my kids. And, and if you go farther back into my story, you'll realize that I was a, a, a poor, a poor student and uh, kind of a wayward youth and, you know, and all that. And uh, so I said, well, I don't want history to, to repeat itself. So I made the decision at that point, at that moment in my life to sell all of my um, franchise, sell all of my company stores under a franchise model mm -hmm. and burn the boats and pursue a franchising model. And I think the lesson there, there's a couple of lessons inside of it. Number one, what I would do differently is uh, we started talking about franchising really in, in the late 90s. I created a franchise business in 2000, uh, but I never really went out and found anybody with that specific knowledge that could help me with it. And I think that if I would have gone out and I would have, I would have learned how to put people around my table that had been doing the things that I wanted to do, and I, I broadened, uh, you know, I found a bigger room. I found people that were doing the things that I aspired to do earlier in my career. I think it would have made a big difference because, you know, there were many years where we were just grinding along and I couldn't figure out how to do the franchise thing and run the business. They were both, we were borrowing resources. Uh, so uh, really, you know, um, learning how to uh, really put yourself out there show up at places where people are doing the types of things that you want to do as an entrepreneur is a worthwhile investment of your time, energy, and money into yourself. I appreciate that. I'm going to drift and just ask a question. There's, there's a lot of half our listeners are people who own their own business. Mm. Um, you decided to go the franchise route. And I always tell people when I talk to them about this idea, I said that decision gets made in the boardroom, turn left, go franchise, turn right, go non-franchise. Can you give them a little glimpse of uh, why you chose the franchise model? I believe that, that franchising is the, is the greatest uh, wealth creation business model that's ever been invented. And I mean, you can say, well, um, you know, franchising, uh, and, and I don't know if this story is true, but it is, it is a story that I read and that I've heard. Uh, Jerry Richardson, who owned the Panthers, was a tight end in the NFL. And he was Johnny Unitas's tight end. And there was a disagreement about uh, what he should get every week to play. 
I think he wanted $500 and they wanted to give him 250 a game or something like that. And uh, obviously contracts were not quite so lucrative <laughs> back in the day, but, uh, but he said, you know what, uh, I'm not making enough money. So he left the team and he, he took the money that he had saved up and he bought a Hardy's restaurant. And then he bought another one and another one. And, and he ended up with 400 and, and then he bought the Panthers and many, many other things he, uh, around Charlotte. You can see his, uh, his, his imprint on, on many businesses and real estate developments and things. So the franchising uh, at the franchisee level uh, is powerful as well as it is at the franchisor level. So um, I, I think for me, um, coming out of the restoration business in the mid 90s, uh, it was clear to me that the companies that were had distribution and were growing were franchise businesses. So it was pretty prevalent in our industry. And with the Surapros, the Service Masters, the Pure Cleans, the Paul Davises, they were all uh, first general service was a licensed model. So I looked around and I'm like, well, this is this is how you do it, and uh, that's that's why uh, that's where we got the idea, and that, that's what informed our thinking. Okay, so this, this may be the same answer, but it's okay, because I was going to say you had some things you look back on do differently. Um, you're obviously a very successful man today and, and have built a tremendous business for yourself and your family. Is there any key decisions that you made right that helped be the catalyst behind that? So it's interesting. The book, the book Discernment is, uh, it's Discernment, the Business Athlete's Regimen for a Great Life Through Better Decisions. And uh, one of the decisions that I made was to uh, throw away a perfectly good large or medium large restoration business in favor of a franchise business model. The two cannot compete. So I knew that uh, if we were successful in franchising, it would, it would cannibalize an asset uh, that I had painstakingly built over, over a number of years. Uh, so, so that was, uh, you know, that, that was a big decision. And um, other decisions, uh, I think, that have done right, uh, it, it kind of the dovetail on what I talked about earlier. I joined uh, Vistage, which is a CEO group, uh, very, very widely distributed. It, it re really is a kind of a boardroom of local CEOs. So I really, uh, Dave, uh, I joined in 2009, which is incidentally uh, with Advanaclean, we sold all of our company stores under that franchise model in 2006, seven and eight. And then in 2009, we launched to the market uh, with consulting groups. And four years later, we had 130 locations. And uh, nine years later, we had 240 locations in 37 states. So, uh, but what was really important about that is I joined Vistage and my chair was the ex-president of Husqvarna North America. And he had grown them uh, under a dealership model, which is, you know, he had a lot of knowledge about about how to build a distributed network uh, from 29 million to 530 million over 18 years by basically taking over and, and creating dealerships and dealership programs uh, for outdoor power equipment, you know, chainsaws and the like. And um, that was really the beginning of my, you know, from uh, uh, somebody who was, you know, literally uh, rich, too stupid to fail. I mean, I, I just kept pounding my head against the wall and, and trying to figure it out and uh, reading books. You know, I think our lives are, uh, are, are really, our lives are really informed by uh, the books we read, the people we meet and the conversations we have. And I will share this with your, with your people too. I believe that leaders get paid by the conversation. 
and being present in the right conversations and putting yourself in the right conversations as a leader is where you can make the, the biggest lift for the organization that you're leading. Uh, so getting myself in those conversations. And then ultimately I joined uh, YPO. There's another group called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, which was more of a, of a national, international flavor to be around more business owners uh, that were doing uh, even, even bigger things. So, uh, you know, and you said, hey, you know, you're successful. You've built a successful business. Well, I, I'm very proud and honored uh, for, you know, the, the outcomes that we've had. Um, but also, you know, um, compared to some of these other people, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of, there's, there's always um, another mountain to climb and, and a way to do something better. And, and that's, I think, what I like about entrepreneurship more than anything is just the, the constant uh, game of Rubik's Cube that never gets solved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I find, I find it's very engaging. Um, I want to so go back to the book for a little bit. Discernment, sure. the business athletes regimen for a great life through better decisions. Um, who's that book? Who's that book made for or written for? Yeah, so it's my second book. And I tend to get motivated to write a book when I see the end of um, uh, a phase of my life coming. I wrote a book called Hey Coach, which is a uh, youth coaching book because I coached when I, one of the things that I did when I got off the road and I decided to franchise the business is I coached over 30 seasons of my children's sport. Nice. And, uh, and I, and I informed my thinking of how to help hundreds of franchise owners build a great team of five to 15 people in coaching a small football team over four months to, you know, to play fast, lose happy and, and compete and, you know, have a great experience and all that. So so I wrote discernment uh, right towards the end, uh, right when I was in the process of selling Advanta Clean. And you know, now if you're around my house at uh, at Christmas time, and we do put up a Christmas tree, and uh, we've got a wobbly leg, uh, my kids run and get copies of discernment and throw them on the floor to <laughs> balance the tree out. Um, that's what they think it's for. But uh, what I, what I think it's for is um, it's a collection of models of thought. So wisdom is, is, you know, when you think about somebody that's wise, usually they're more experienced, maybe got a little gray hair, a little gray beard like I do. Uh, but wisdom is just models of thought that have you've accumulated over time about certain things or situations or things you're faced with applied to present day situations. So, you know, the more that you collect experiences and you, you're able to think about these and you're able to learn from them, and then you're able to uh, uh, put them into, you know, some sort of where you can recall them and apply them. People come to you for advice and say, well, you know, I, and, I, and again, this is a YPO thing. You don't share advice. You only share experiences. My experience would be this, and this is what my experience taught me. It may inform your thinking or your journey, um, but, um, but that's what discernment is. It's a collection of models of thought uh, really around decision making. So, what are the filters that you have? Uh, you know, if, you know your values. You know how you how you use values. Uh, do you build values forward businesses? How do you how do you use values in making big decisions in your life? I have an example for you of that if you'd like. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, feel feel free. So. Uh, one of the things that I was fortunate enough to do is I was uh, number 106 undercover boss. Okay, I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah. And what was interesting about it is we, we had an opportunity where it was season eight 
and somebody else dropped out and we had maybe two, you know, we, we got a call and we said, you know, when, when you're in the emergency water damage business, the answer is always yes. And then you figure out if you can't show up, then you call them back. But so, yes, we're, we're, we're available. We'll do it. And uh, they came out uh, the next day and they did a, they did a sizzle reel and, and, you know, to pitch it to the network and, you know, nine out of 10 of them get rejected or whatever, but I, I'll, I'll never forget. I went home and my family was sitting on the couch uh, in our little bonus room area. And above their head was a quote from my football coach at App State, Jerry Moore, that said, always do more than is expected. And if you get the book discernment, you'll see that we have a set of family values that we that we live by, you know, live fun, be humble, respect others, uh, be a servant leader, uh, trust yourself to take chances, fail fast, move forward, things like that, you know, always do more than is expected. It's just a nice little seven or eight phrase tome. And, you know, I said, look, guys, you know, we weren't very high profile. Matter of fact, we we had our kids coached. We when we coached football, they did it in the side yard. We have five acre business complex. And I would line the field there because field space is always at a premium and all that. And, uh, you know, and, and people would ask me, oh, how, did the, how does the company let, I didn't tell them I own the business. I just said, well, they, they let us practice here. And I knew that if we did uh, the show that our kids could be looked at differently because it would be very high profile, you know, 7.1 million viewers when it played. I mean, local newspaper, you're giving away a lot of money. So it would, you know, it would maybe imply to people that, you know, uh, we were well off and, and, you know, that's just not how we rolled and nobody really knew. So, but, you know, we had those sets of values and we were able to look at it and say, you know, uh, your true values are what you tolerate. And if we're going to live by these values, then we have to take this opportunity and we have to, we have to do the show. Now, I knew that we had great franchisees and that we had a lot of relationship equity and we were relatively close in most circumstances where we weren't close. We were at least tolerating each other. And but I but I did know that they cared greatly about the customers and that they would do a great job. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there is risk that the show goes bad. And believe me, they they set it up. They put you under stress to see if you what happens. But you know, we did uh, five great segments. Uh, we dropped one that another show they said would kill to have and, and being a very positive experience. So that decision to just say yes was yeah. a huge decision in, the, in our life because it, it did um, elevate our brand uh, and it created a lot of opportunities for me personally and also for our business and our franchisees. Love it. Love it. I have to look up that episode. I didn't know that. Thanks for it's sharing. It's right on my LinkedIn. Anybody wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, just go to Jeff Duden. There's a link right there to it. So 43 minutes, you'll never get back. <laughs> Very good. All right. Commercial break time. Talk to us about Homefront Brands. Who's your customer? Who, what are you looking for? Um, anything you want to say that our listeners would know if they want to get in touch with you, how, how they would do that as well? Yeah, I appreciate that. So Homefront Brands is a collection of curated property service brands. So uh, we have uh, Window Hero, which is an exterior uh, house washing, you know, pressure washing, window washing, gutter cleaning business. Uh, we have Temporary Wall Systems, which is a commercial a- industrial application where we put up high-end uh, rental containment, uh, hospitals, universities, malls, things, airports, and things like that. Great, great, great business model. Uh, very, very, very popular, going very fast. Uh, we have top rail fencing. We have built right home inspection. We've got uh, Mozzie Dome Mosquito. 
and the designery uh, kitchen and bath. So when we, you know, we, we've put this platform together uh, over the last year or so, and really all of these brands met some very, very stringent requirements in terms of average unit volume. You know, it, it costs you uh, as a franchisor the same to support a, you know, a business doing a few hundred thousand dollars as it does doing a few million. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that all of our brands were, um, you know, had the cap capacity uh, to do certain, you know, high revenue targets. And also uh, we did some very intelligent things around territory to make sure that we're not just not throwing population out there. We're, we did studies to make sure that every one of our territories uh, has the ability to, you know, to be a great business and through data analytics, demographics, building inventory and, and, and whatnot. So we don't have as many territories as, you know, some other brands do, but, but ours are, ours are, we went for quality over quantity. And uh, yeah, and so that's what we got. And then, you know, what's the home front advantage, man, uh, you know, frontline uh, digital marketing, lead generation, uh, call center services, uh, you know, uh, advanced learning center and technology. We're really an adult learning organization uh, and, a, and then very streamlined technology. You can actually What's interesting is uh, you can actually run more than one of our brands on the exact same POS system. They all operate on the same system. So on the same screen, uh, you could actually, if you want to build a bigger business, have more than one of our brands. So we're very excited about it. And we do believe that entrepreneurship is what this country needs uh, to shore up a, a, a middle class that's always under attack. And, uh, you know, we do so in a way with, uh, you know, uh, that... Um, Kind of a values forward organization, uh, very action orientated, very transformative in people's lives. Make a small investment, put your shoulder to it, you know, join our family and and really create uh, a different life for you and those that you care about. Now, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, when I talk with clients, in fact, for our listeners, you uh, business owners are thinking about adding additional revenue stream, even in those in corporate America who want to jump in and become an entrepreneur. My job and my side of the equation of the franchise world is help de-risk the opportunity for my clients. And we look for brands that are owned by people like Jeff, who've done a lot more scrutiny. And, and they are very selective in the type of brands they get involved in. And I've gotten to know Jeff that way. And so it's really to combine, we are giving you, the our listeners, the best opportunity to de-risk. We can't eliminate the risk, but we can sure do a good job at de-risking it. All right, Jeff, we're going to switch gears here and kind of wrap up the show a little bit, but it's important. You are, you've been in business for a long time. You weathered a handful of uh, recessions and ups and downs in the economy. And, but here we, here we are today, 2022. I think, I don't think of, I can think of any other type of headwind that we don't have right now. We have them all in one year. Uh, you have to navigate your company. You have to keep your employees. You have to hire labor. You have to deal with interest rates and, and recession and all the, you know, the woes that we're all hearing about. So I'm curious, the question is twofold. One is, um, how are you navigating the company? Do you see is, this is an opportunity for investment or is this time to uh, put the brakes on? And the other one is, how are you personally? I, I already can tell you're an avid learner, but how are you personally getting out of bed in the morning and uh, getting ready to lead the charge? Well, I will tell you, and I'm sure it's it, it follows investment philosophy of smart investors and, and people out there that say, you know, if, you, if you're following the group and uh, in the economy, fear, then uh, you're gonna miss out on opportunities. I mean, when the market's down, that's when Warren Buffett is plowing dollars into the market, right? And, and but, you know, the, the, tr the general person is like, well, they, they wanna have 
um, social proof. So if a bunch of other people are doing something, investing in something, then they want to jump along and they jump in late and then they get hurt, right? So my experience, and this is this is just from my experience, I'm very fortunate. Is you know there was a um, a, a huge uh, what the, the great financial crisis of 2007, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. and we went to market with Advanaclean recession resistant, needs-based, third-party, high-margin, complementary services. And there was a ton of people that wanted to invest in themselves. Their 401ks had become 201ks. And you know <laughs> there was uncertainty in the corporate job and all of that kind of stuff. And we exploded. And uh, we, we just, we were at the right place at the right time. And we had, you know, we had authentic, we'd been in business for 15 years and that's where we were. So, so what I learned in that is to, you know, if people are uncertain and people are hesitating, think about being aggressive. Now, uh, then, you know, now here's how I use that experience. In 2019, I bought a company called Rockbox Fitness with two locations open, a couple of great founders, and a, you know, just an incredible offering uh, really great. It's a group fitness, uh, rock, kickboxing, boxing, functional fitness. And, uh, and then we, we're just getting going. We placed some franchise owners. We're building a bunch of studios. We got more open. And what happened? COVID. COVID, COVID hit. <laughs> and I'll never forget Roger Martin called, you know, they were, our, our guys were scared to death. I mean, they really were. And, and these are seasoned. Uh, Roger's a 25 year farm executive, best training in pharmaceutical uh, and uh, he calls me and he's like, well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I said, well, you know, the decision's easy, um, but the consequences might be hard in some areas when we talk about member safety or laws or things like that. Now, we were small enough where we could be nimble and we didn't have to do an edict and say everybody has to shut down like, you know, maybe a, a larger fitness chain would have had to do. So we were able to be surgical and we were able to give our owners some optionality. We jumped in and helped everybody renegotiate leases and you know, do everything, process their PPP loans. We did all the great things. But very quickly, I said, I looked the guys in the eye and I said, look, what's happening right now is the best talent in the industry is available. And other people are hesitating and they're stopping their lead spend. And and so if we double down right now, we're going to come out of this thing uh, ahead and that's exactly what we did. We went out and we, we recruited uh, some people from, uh, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the brand, but a really, really reputable brand. We recruited some of their executives over. Uh, we got great marketing people in. Uh, we invested in lead spend. And, we, and you know, the narrative was saying, look, this isn't going to last forever. You get in now and, you know, leases are available. And by the time this thing's over, you know, your studio is going to be opening and, and people are more and more going to be uh, uh, knowing that fitness is important to them because look at, you know, if you're not fit during COVID, you're more at risk. So that's what we did. So, so twice I've used a, a, a macro event and took an, a, took an aggressive posture and chose, chose courage, not fear mm-hmm. and built a great business out of it. So now, um, and I'm not going to say that I had a crystal ball, but what I will tell you is in high inflationary times, recessionary environments where you're looking at Ford Motor and maybe Microsoft doing hiring freezes or layoffs and things like that, like you have right now, low, relatively low cost service businesses like Homefront Brands has, 
are, are that they they are inverse to that economy because people are saying, you know what, I want to invest in myself. I don't want to do an eight hundred thousand dollar restaurant or an eight hundred thousand dollar studio, but I certainly will put, you know, forty nine five into a fit and plus a vehicle and some equipment into a fitness into a service business, and you know, sign today, come to training next month, and be generating revenue sixty days from now. And yeah. so, so like it, it, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I hate where interest rates are and, uh, you know, that, uh, the economy's slowing a little bit, but candidly it needed to slow a little bit. So it is, and we are positioned now, uh, to catch these people and give them a nice soft landing into a great new future. Fantastic. What about you personally? What are you, what are you reading right now? What's keeping you, uh, you the sword sharpened? Oh, I just, uh, you know, I just keep reading um, uh, discernment over and over again. No, uh, <laughs> just, it's like, you know, the bridge painter, right? I just right. I get to the end and I just go back to the, and I start at the, I start again. <laughs> now I, um, uh, so I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio. So Ray Dalio principles, uh, I always keep at the ready. Um, I'm reading a book right now called Your Next Five Moves. And then another one called uh, $100 million Offers. I don't remember who the who the uh, uh, authors are right offhand, but mm -hmm. uh, those are a couple of things that I'm reading right now. What did I read lately that I really, really liked? Oh, um, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller is, is another great one for any entrepreneur or business builder, how to understand the importance of curating great stories and, and using stories to communicate your message. People remember stories and it's really important that you use those to articulate your points of differentiation and, and your, your value proposition. Well, you obviously invest in yourself and it's, it's shown for all these years and you continue to do so. Every great leader does that. And obviously you're investing in your company and every great companies do that too. I always tell people if COVID, I said, you know, the service brands just exploded in the other industries, unless you were the, you know, strong that, that uh, could survive, you know, unfortunately, and they actually thrived. The weaker ones went away. So uh, I, I'm right there with you. Jeff, thank you for your time today. How can anybody get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? Should they want to get to know more about uh, your brands and get connected with you? Uh, I will. If uh, So I will say, uh, based on what you just said, one of my favorite quotes from Shoe Dog by Phil Knight is, uh, the cowards never started and the weak died along the way. Yeah. And, that, and that leaves us. So yeah. That's a, great book. That's a great book. Yeah. It is. So you can, uh, LinkedIn is uh, somewhere that I, people reach out to me. Just put in Jeff Duden, J-E-F-F-D-U-D-A-N. Uh, Instagram, same thing, Jeff Duden. I seem to do a, a lot on Instagram. And then if you want to go to Homefront Brands to see our great offerings there, homefrontbrands.com. Uh, plenty of, we got holes all over the place you can fall into and, and reach out to me. And if you want to see some of my uh, personal content, it's at dudengroup.com. Uh, I have about 20 or 30 podcasts up there if, if anybody is interested in those things with some great guests and other uh, business builders and the like. Very good. And we will put those uh, notes in the, in the podcast show notes, uh, which will be airing about three weeks from today. Jeff, I, on behalf of all our listeners, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to share your wisdom and insight. I know uh, they are going to learn a lot and it's very much to our benefit for you to be here. And with that, I hope you have a great day. It's been great, Rich. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast 
and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show include the hashtag get it done entrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, arlebrun.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.